This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It's a UFC pay-per-view week, and I gotta tell you, this one snug up on me. But I'm gonna get into the top two UFC 289 fights and the betting odds on today's program. Plus, I'm gonna tell you what Stipe Miocic 
has signed, or at least allegedly signed as it pertains to John Jones, and I'm also gonna come to the defense of Mark Zuckerberg once again. All of that coming up later. But I wanna begin with what we saw over the weekend. Oh, Dana White was in rare form at the press conference over the weekend. Now, I stole those words from Bloody Elbow. Yes, I admit it, but he was. He was in rare form. He was in this great mood. He was very open and talkative. The, the conversation of Connor and Chandler came up. And the truth will set you free. We all know that. But in the world of promotion, in the world of storytelling, right, you kind of, you kind of go in some different directions. You're building interest. It's, it's part of the job. And I felt as though Dana kind of just put the swords down as far as Connor and Chandler goes. And he goes, look, it is really hard to make fights when these guys are so financially successful. I changed his words. That's what he said, though, right? Exactly what he said without being verbatim. And that is the elephant in the room. I mean, that has been the secret within the business that, that never gets discussed from jump street of the narrative the fighters aren't paid enough and you can never hang your hat on that you could never come think thinking you're going to win an argument you could never come out and say hey i to get a return on my investment i have to have a guy multiple times i i just i can't do it one or two i'm going to lose here but i'm going i can make down the road like this is our our model and plan and if i pay him too much i can never get him there like you just you're not going to win. You're not going to win an argument. However, however, on the other side of it, boom, you just got revealed. It, it's a really complicated thing. It really is. If you're doing business and you pay somebody an amount where now they don't come back, it's, it's a really tough thing. How do you get Connor there? And I see, I don't, I don't feel that Connor gets the credit that he deserves. And Connor's a bad guy, right? Connor's rough around the edges. And so bad guy, they, the bad guys tend to stick together, right? But I, I try to not do it from that perspective. I just feel as though Connor, like many of the great magicians, is watch this hand so you don't see what this hand's doing. And I feel that people do miss the career. They, they, they miss some of what's actually happening hidden behind a performer who's bringing you entertainment. Like, can we all agree that what Dana said is very true and we all knew it to be true? And not only do we all know it to be true, if we follow the golden rule of life, which is to put yourself in somebody's position, how, how would you act? It'd be pretty hard, wouldn't it? If you were a prize fighter and you were doing that and someone gave you X amount of money, it'd be pretty hard for you to come back and want to keep on prize fighting. And that's not new. Errol Hawani loves to quote, I think that Ariel actually says that Marvin Hagler said, it's hard to wake up in silk pajamas at five in the morning. It's hard to wake up at five in the morning and go for a run when you're wearing silk pajamas. Sugar Ray Leonard is actually who said, I hear many people, maybe it wasn't Ariel, I hear many people quote that and assign it to Marvelous Marvin. That is Sugar Ray Leonard's quote. 
And there's a lot of truth to it. Oscar De La Hoya, even if he botched later in life and he felt, but in his career, boy, that was a competitor first. Golden boy all the way back to Barcelona. Wouldn't even look his opponent in the eye. He was looking up to the heavens, to his mom. Really represented this country and himself well. And when he made his money, he kept on fighting. And he kept on winning. And when he wasn't winning, they were gritty and they were hard. And he was putting it out there. I mean, Dale Hoy is as tough as they came. But that's something I think he should get credit for. Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather proved that a rich man can fight. And I don't know that it was in that order. I believe it was it was Oscar De La Hoya followed by Floyd Mayweather. The problem with Floyd, Floyd made a bunch of money. It wasn't nearly as much as you were told, but Floyd spent the money. Floyd had to keep on fighting. Oscar still had the money and still chose to fight, but I think that those guys should get credit for it. Conor McGregor, prior to fighting Jose Aldo, which ended in 13 seconds, and set a pay-per-view record. So what would have been before that? It was Chad Mendez, right? It was off the top of my head. But Conor won the interim championship, and then he fed in to Jose Aldo. So after the Conor McGregor, and you guys remember that night? Gentleman comes out. I want to call him Eric Church. That's not who it was. I got the wrong name. But he sings Chad Mendez to the ring. This was one of the great nights of production in the history of the UFC, and they never went back to it. Maybe it was Eric Church. Who was it? sings Chad Mendez as he walks through, but we're not told that. We don't know we're getting a concert. We don't know we're getting live. Not, that's what made it so great. Boom, the spotlight hits, and there he is playing and singing. Shanae O'Connor. Remember that, guys? When Conor McGregor walks out, there's Shanae O'Connor. Spotlight hits her. You, we were never told we were going to get that. And we weren't inundated and forced that down our throat. They played the same amount of time that they would have hit the CD track for. That was so great about it. But that night, just to put in perspective for you, when that fight was done, Conor McGregor took his family. And that was mom and dad, sister. Has he got a sister in there? But then his wife, mom and dad. So it was five of them. And he took them to a luxury car lot. I want to say it was BMW, but it was a luxury car lot. He said, pick out anything you want. And they did. And they all pulled out of there in brand new cars. Now, Sure, I, I understand. There's frivolous and where you waste your money. That wasn't the point of my story. My point in telling you that was just that was documented. Connor brought us in on it. The dealership brought us in on it. I mean, they did pictures and the Instagram and the whole bit. But this is the kind of cake that he, he was making back then. This sharing for you. He had the kind of money before he ever started making money. Before he ever started making money, he had that kind of money. So he's got luxury vehicles for the whole family, right? He's already bought the house. He's got luxury for the whole family before he even fought Jose Aldo, which set a pay-per-view record, which set up him to go to New York against Eddie Alvarez, do 17.1 million at the gate alone, the box office alone, another pay-per-view record. This is before he then goes into Floyd. For an all fairness, it was an embellished amount. It wasn't what you guys think, but it was it was a lot of money, right? I mean, do you understand? So Dana's point about it's hard to bring a guy in, that's really true. And when we think about that and then we just apply ourselves to it, that would be hard, right? We we could agree. It don't really matter what you're doing. I mean, I said prize fire, but would, would it make a difference, guys? My father was a plumber. But if he got a million dollars to go do a water service, I don't know that he was going to do that for 30 years. 
It's one of those interesting things, but Conor McGregor did. And he really did. I, I don't have in front of me how old Conor is. I, I always want to say he's 35, but somebody told me he's not that old. Okay, great. He's, he's 33. I don't know that it makes a, a bit of difference. If you're a professional athlete into your mid-30s, you put in your time. You can get to your 40s like I did, but you're going to need chemical enhancement. I'm just saying, I'm saying for you in all fairness, Conor didn't cut his career short. He could walk away today. He didn't cut his career short. He made his money, but he kept on fighting all the way through. The same credit that we give De La Hoya, we have to apply to Conor. And that's, that's without the Chandler fight. Whether he does Chandler or he doesn't do Chandler, he didn't cut his career short. He stayed in there and he put the full time in. He gave everybody the opportunity to take the shine. It's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get that torch and light it up as big as you can, but before you go, you hand it to somebody else. And I thought that it was a really fascinating point that Dana revealed it. Because we all knew it to be true, right? We all knew it, but to say it is a, a, another thing. And then to have those guys as hungry, and every compliment that I just gave Connor, I understand there's more commas and zeros, but Michael Chandler doesn't ever have to fight again. Michael Chandler doesn't have to work again. Michael Chandler, and he hasn't needed to in a period of time. And by the way, that's a guy who's smart with his money. On top of everything else, that's a guy that still got his money. From his first fight when he was 24, I'm just sharing, it was a big reveal. But of something that we all knew. And when you do look at that, I think that you do have to credit Connor and what drove him, what motivated him different. Because the things that we like first, we don't like a mouthy guy. We don't even... We don't like any of those things in front of a competitor. Competitor is number one. Sometimes we don't say it because that sounds dull. But in our hearts, we like a competitor. When you look at Conor McGregor, particularly after what's now been revealed, and, and when you look back and you think of it in that perspective, that he had his money all the way back right after the Chad Mendes fight. But he's still been there this, this entire time. I'm very confident the story's not over. I'm very confident he doesn't just have Chandler left, by the way. I'm very confident you're going to get Connor three more times. But it's pretty impressive, isn't it? And it's pretty unique. And I don't think you could find anybody else in MMA to say the same about. And you'd have to look to De La Hoya and Mayweather. And in fairness, if you're in a combat sport, that's a pretty good company. I've ever seen, and it was so effective, people used it against the UFC. Andre Arlovsky. This marketing campaign, this is when the UFC started to be called a machine for the first time. And it, it was just a very interesting piece, uh, psychologically speaking, because the year was 2005, and as well documented, the UFC was in the hole $40 million dollars. And Lorenzo had made the decision, pull the plug, I'm out. He sat on that for a while. He made it full. He called back and said, hold on. A little bit more. So I only say that because in 2005, it was the same year that it almost all ended. It was the same year that we all band together and it was such a struggle. And we're having a ban for acceptance. And it's literally a fight. It's a narrative. It's a dialogue. It's a battle at all times. And as soon as it turned that corner, right? Ultimate Fighter season finale, Forrest versus Bonner. People turned on it. 
our own people, and they started saying this, the machine of the UFC. Now, let me just explain to you what had happened in that time. If you were going to do a pay-per-view back then, and there was six events a year, six UFCs, there was five Pride Fighting Championship, Strike Force was not yet a name, Bellator was not yet a name, Elite XC that you might have heard was not yet a name. So you had six UFC events, and you had five Pride Fighting Championship events. You had, you had something to watch almost every month. And that was a real treat. Before Pride came, it was just the UFC and you had that five to six events a year. And it was a real challenge to find out when those events were. You could get it. And it was something called the internet that had it. But to get onto the internet, do you guys remember this? Remember that? Just to get on the internet? People didn't have it. They didn't have an internet in their pocket at all times. Believe it or not, there was a time when the internet didn't even exist. And then even when it did exist, it was pretty sparse. But if you could get to it, there was places you could go that would let you know when DirecTV was going to show something called the UFC. And if you were going to do a pay-per-view, for sure, we didn't know the opponent yet, but it was going to alternate back and forth. Tito Ortiz was going to be your main event or Randy Couture was going to be your main event. And it had to be that way. Or your doors were not going to be open. It was really important. And Tito got in something. He got in something. I had WFA, if you guys remember this time. And Randy retired. And they did it what seemed to be back to back. You know, feel, it feels to me like it was a month apart. So your two main events, they're, they're gone. What are you going to do? There was a guy. And he was a bit of a character. He was a, he was a bit mysterious. Good looking son of a bitch. To young guy, Belarusian. And a gimmick back then was very, very hard to find. Uh, Phil Baroni had one of the great gimmicks up until that point, which was to simply wear a robe like boxers used to wear and hire a couple of Bettys to walk to the ring with you. But it was huge. I mean, it was a huge, huge deal that Phil did that. It was a piece of entertainment. And I tell you that because what all Andre had is he had a mouthpiece that had fangs on it. That's it. But that was more than anybody else had. So he was good looking. He was mysterious. I, I've got to tell you, I would never bag on Andre. This is meant to really serve and compliment Andre. But at that time in 2005, he had an eight and four record. So when Randy gone and Tito's gone... The UFC, who needed a character, you you had to you have to have a face, right? Once you're a sport and you're proven, you you can start to get away with some other things. The NFL, by example, I mean, you, you know, the NBA, by example, you don't you don't have to have that. Really important when you're first coming out, and put everything behind Andre, and he was nicknamed the Pitbull. So they had professional photos done, and he's in this this suit which he looked great in, and he's got Pitbulls with him. They got collars on. He's like, he said, I remember this photo from 2005. He's at his Range Rover. And somebody probably rented him for the shoot. He's in this fantastic suit, which somebody else bought him and had tailored for the shoot. He's got these pit bulls with him. He's calling himself the pit bull. We didn't know anything else. A picture's worth a thousand words. So these pictures circulate and, and all of a sudden he fills the void. I debuted in the UFC. Andre Orlovsky was the main event fighting for a world championship versus Paul Buntello. 
and place was sold out. Really hard to do. When Tito and Randy left, oh, this was a blow. And I remember people started turning on the Michelle, the marketing machine. Look at what they've done. Look how they built Andre. And but that's true. It was that effective, and the people shifted and they gravitated. Andre was fun to watch. He had this footwork that, for a heavyweight, you just it simply didn't exist. And I will tell you, Andre has had those difficult fights, those ones that cut your career short, right? You get in there with Tim Sylvia, your life is likely to be different afterwards. It's going to change you. Just, it's going to change you. And you get in there with Rico Rodriguez, which Andre had done before he was even champion, just by example. But those guys are going to change you. He fought them all. Andre fought them all. He fought him for three rounds. He fought him for five rounds. He fought him on short notice. He went over to Affliction and fought Fedor, who used to be Andre's training partner, or vice versa, I should say. Fedor was like the face of the gym, and Andre was this young face coming in. Andre actually left the gym because he knew he would always be in the shadow of Fedor. And the next thing you know, they're fighting each other. It was first a crazy purse. At that time, it was a cra- I think he got like 800000 but it was numbers, we had never even seen that in MMA. It's a really exciting thing. Another sold out arena. I'm just sharing with you, he had some really interesting memories. And he never turned to the braggadocious side. He was never cocky, he was never arrogant, he was never a trash talker. I think, I think some of that might have helped him. And not, and not necessarily to be brash. Uh, he could have been kind and calm, but I think he could have talked a little bit more. I don't. I think Andre's got a little bit of shyness to him, which probably surprises you. I've met him a couple of times, and I remember being excited to meet him. The first time I met him was was backstage in an event, and Matt Lindland knew him. I was with Matt, and Matt and him are talking. I'm like, come on, Matt, introduce me, introduce me, bring me into this, bring me into this. And Matt finally goes, oh, hey, Andre, uh, you know Chael, don't you? I was like, hey, Chael, son, and big fan. You know, it was, it was one of these things. But he didn't say much back. Like, he didn't know. He didn't know that meeting him was a cool thing. He didn't know that he was looked at by the boys differently. He just kind of was this this humble and shy guy. He fought over the weekend. He and I are the same age. And whether that means we're, we're a year apart, he's a year older, he's a year younger, it, it's the same thing. We, if we went to, say, to high school, we'd have, been, we'd have been in the hallways together at some point. And he's, he's still out there competing. I think that's I think that's coming to an end. I think that that light is dimming. But I would love to hear from him. And as I said, he's a quiet guy. People don't know a lot about him. Even when he did those photo shoots with the, with the rented car and the beautiful suit and the dogs, I don't even know if those were his dogs. They may well have been his dogs and he loves them. Not, not at all my point. My point is that's how little we know about him. He, he got a mouthpiece that had fangs on it. And that was a gimmick before anyone else had one. And he went from undercard to main event. And he stayed there. He was very, very sought after. And I have to guess some of the rest. I have to guess he's a very pleasant guy. I have to guess that he's a pleasure to work with. I have to guess that he's organized, that he answers his phone. I have to guess. There's there's only certain ways that you can stick around in an organization like this. I mean, pe- people have got to like you, and people must like Andre Arlovsky. And I thought for a period of time 
that he was an athlete, not a fighter. And I think it's very important that you know which one you are, that you can identify. Am I athletic? Am I going to do this on grit? But with Andre, it, it seems like it's changed. I mean, that footwork and that speed and the way he would move around, but he's in there at 46 years old. He's training for these guys. He's fighting these guys, taking on absolutely anybody. Keeping his mouth shut, I, I don't know if that's a great idea, but he's got me curious. I would like to know more about who he is. And at a minimum, I think we can all as a community share in the idea of just saying, Andre, great job. Dana said, I would like John Jones to fight someone at Madison Square Garden in November. What, what do you guys put into that? Because I felt like it, glo it got glossed over. I, I really do. And I feel at times, and maybe it's an intimidation thing. Maybe the setting and you're dealing with the boss and it's just intimidating. But it, I feel as though many times we will have media that's present at events that are sandhagens, that just are not following what is going on. We have an extremely clear statement one week ago, extremely. 46 years old, I'm good at speaking, and I don't know that this could have said clearer that Steve Miocic has signed to fight John Jones and that they're looking to do that in November. That was a week ago. So when the question came up, or the statement rather, you could see where a reveal, you could see where it's a, it's a big deal and the UFC has a way that they like to do these things. But a press conference with the boss, boy, that, that sure seems to fit the bill. And I had to sit back and put myself in check because I'm telling you guys that Stipe signed a week ago to fight John. Now, you've got to understand what that word means in our business. If you're on the telephone or your manager's on a telephone and two sides agree, you signed. And th that is not what a signing is. That, that's a vernacular that we use. If you get a text message and your side agreed with this side, it, you've signed. That's what we'll say. That's the expression. So when word gets out and trickles down, it doesn't have to be exact. And I'm the same guy that came and told you they were signed and they were going to fight on December 10th. Now, I told you that because I got it from the greatest source out there, Ariel Helwani. So then comes around March 4th, and it's rumored that they're going to fight. But when March 4th comes and goes, now for sure they're going to fight in July, International Fight Week, to the point that there was even UFC artwork and graphics. Not only did the, the, the two fighters agree publicly on social media, but Stipe's side tweeted out artwork and graphics by the UFC for the fight. Now, Stipe could have a friend that does Photoshop and he put it together. We, we see these things all the time. That seems very out of hand for Stipe. So I believe that the UFC made that artwork. 
But then we get informed that the fight is not going to happen. So my only point is, here I am telling you that they're signing they're going to go fight in November. Man, I've told you this three other times, and I had it on the, the greatest authority that you could. I mean, my source one of the times was Stipe and John Jones, who both said, right? It's, it's one of these things with UFC artwork. That Boom, that's confirmed, but not so fast. And moreover, I mean, right, when that fight happens, that fight doesn't happen. I Okay. I think that John Jones is very likely to fight Sergey Pavlich on August 28th, but that we'll do that conversation another day. So now it's said that he's going to fight at Madison Square Garden, or at least they'd like him to, and that directly ties in to Conor McGregor and Chandler. Like you, you, you can't turn anywhere without seeing that one, and whatever information is out there. As far as Conor McGregor and Chandler, right? I can repeat. I got a really good memory. You guys could go to Google or you could come to Chandler. I'm a, I'm a re, I'm really good at just recalling things that I've heard before. But we were told two weeks ago that there was going to be a big announcement and there was going to be big shows in November and December. And when that information was given... That was directly tying into what card is McGregor going on and what one is Jones Stipe going on. And it would appear when you talk about, I want to see John and I want to see him fight and I want him in November and I want him at the Gardner, that, okay, great. For sure, though, Connor's not going there. So if Connor's not going there, it's going to be a big show in December and November. That would mean that Connor's going in December, allegedly, but he hasn't entered the pool and per USADA. <laughs> They're going to get in the way of him fighting. I just feel like that would have been really good backup questions. I think that, I think that it's an interesting thing. I, I I don't seem to have the ability to tell you what, what Stipe is getting ready to do. I believed that he signed a week ago, but signed is a looser vernacular in our industry than it is most other places. I am very confident when I tell you, if... That match doesn't get done in November. That match is not going to be looked at again. And you'll be able to insert Sergey Pavlich, which is, is going to be colossal. Right? It's, good. it's going to be a, a very interesting thing, particularly the way that it could get made. And I'm just wondering what you guys think about it, right? It was a simple statement by Dana, but... It was in conjunction with the, the quote that I just gave you, I'd like to have John Jones fighting somebody. It only came three minutes after John Jones versus Tyson Fury was discussed. And, you know, if there was any boxer that was going to come over to MMA, it, it would be Tyson Fury. And I invited Tyson to come on the show today, and I thought I was going to have him as a guest. I don't do a lot of guests. But so, so I, but I got word. I got word from Tyson, and the, the opinion that I'm getting out of England from one, one remove from Tyson is, "Hey, that's not what we meant. We'd rather box John, and we we get where all the advantages come. But don't think that Tyson's going to turn this down. And this isn't just going to be a cash grab. Tyson has been flirting and looking to do something like this for a while. This was even what he was going to do with Francis." And even if it was stand-up and pugilism, but they were going to clinch or they were going to grab each other here, they were going to do it with the little gloves. Like, like Tyson and Francis were getting ready to make up a game. They were going to do something different. And so the person I'm talking to, 
is saying, hey, hold, you know, grappling and MMA like this isn't fully what what Tyson was going to do, but the, but there is a way to do this. And so the answer wasn't just flat no. And by the way, how much are you going to pay me is the same as no. When a guy says how much are you going to pay or you got to pay me, he's t- the answer is no. Don't, like don't don't let a guy chicken a way around it and talk about that. But that's not what Tyson did. What they did tell me was that there could be a conversation with a modification of the rules. And so I pushed back. I said, look, tell his camp from me, do not do that. Say no to the whole thing. Do not modify the rules. And the reason I say that, here's the problem. If you modify the rules, you would better win the game. There is no game on God's earth if I make up the rules I'm going to lose. Or I'm a fool. I'm, I'm just a doofus. And so that's all my only point. Hey, if you're going to come over and you're at all right, if it's not what you do, don't modify the rules. Don't don't change it. You change the rules and you get beat. It's a lot worse than if you just come over. Right? I mean, I, I'm just sharing that. If you're looking to do something different, if you want to show that you got the courage, like all of those things would do. And this is only going to be for conversation, right? Don't forget that. Like a guy that wants to try something new and a guy that wants to show the courage and a guy that wants to press in the headlines, th- that guy will get to first or second base. But believe me, he, he's not rounding them all. When push finally comes to shove, you're just not going to get that one done. But I will share for you, that conversation was had, and three minutes later, a discussion is had about Madison Square Garden. No announcement of Stipe was made anywhere. No talk of my prediction that they're not looking at Jones and they're not looking at the Garden. They're looking at Australia and they're looking at the end of August and they're looking for the young Russian. So what do you make of it? Statement was made. I would like John Jones to be fighting someone in November at the Garden. But that is a synonymous term for saying Conor McGregor isn't fighting Chandler in November. Stipe hasn't signed. Sergey Pavlich not part of this. You all are Sandhagens, and the only one that you can rely on to pay any level of attention is me. UFC 289 is sure to pack a punch. Guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code CHAIL. Here's the deal. All new customers, you can make a $5 UFC 289 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Use code CHAIL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y to number 467-369 in Kansas. Call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for gambling problem. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 
21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms. versus Aldana. Guys, how do you see that? Real fast, real fast, throw it at me how you see it. But please, hold on, before you weigh in, so I'm going to tell you what DraftKings has, but before you weigh in, if you don't know who Aldana is, please just say, I don't know who Aldana is. And, and don't and don't, don't jump in. But, but it's, it's very important. Now, Amanda is about a three-to-one favorite. And Aldana is not, not quite 3-1 to one over at DraftKings right now, but real close, right? Dana White weighed in on us over the weekend. And Dana didn't try to sell us at all. He didn't try to sell it. He didn't try to swerve it. He didn't try to sell you anything that you don't know. He made one simple comment, which is, how hungry do you think Amanda is? How hungry can she be? How hungry is it possible for her to be? And then he talked about Aldana and said, she's starving for it. This is what she wants. She's been begging for it. And there's some of those stories that we really don't know. Like, a lot of fights do get lined up just because the names come up. Yeah, I got a contract with you and with you, and I got to give you three fights a year, and, and here you go. I mean, a lot of them do come that way. And I personally like to hear stories when a challenger is begging, is reminding, is texting, is doing whatever it is they can do. Well, that social media, they got a friend over the office and they keep calling him or, they, or we just heard about Kamara Usman as it pertains to Chimaev going down to the office and actually lobbying, going door to door. I mean, I, but I love that stuff. And I think that you guys do too. When I asked you a minute ago if you're completely familiar with Aldana, I don't blame you for saying no. That doesn't make you a lack of a fan. That's not who was supposed to be in. Juliana was supposed to be in. Venezuelan vixen, but guys... Almost more times than not, these last-minute replacements, late replacement, last-minute would be a little bit extreme to say in this case, it favors them. It helps. I could tell you story after story, including in the amateurs. I did a bit world championships and Olympic games where an alternate who wasn't supposed to be there gets pulled in and comes home with a medal. You will see athletes at all levels. From Little League, where they got dad screaming in their corner, all the way up to the pros who will try to psych themselves up. You cannot psych yourself up. It is not possible. That is not a thing. But you sure as hell can be psyched out. For sure. You will not sharpen tools or bring extra tools from the locker room, but you plenty of times will see an athlete that left them there. So, I share with you, it was helpful to hear from Dana that Aldana is hungry. That's a big deal. Guys, how many people have we seen fight Amanda Nunes? But be real honest. How many people have you seen fight Amanda Nunes? Not very many. Three? Is that a good guess? For sure, no more than five. Night after night after night, it has been, okay, I got to sign this. Let me get in there. Let me get out in one piece. There's not a fight. There's not a try. There's not my skills versus your skills until one of us is left. There's not. Three times you've seen that, maybe up to five. 
The other people were just looking for a place to fall. It's very interesting. If Aldana isn't scared. One thing that I've been impressed with Aldana is her boxing. And there was an article. There was an article linked to DraftKings. And the author of the article made a big point about the reach, the length, and the grappling of Aldana. I don't disagree. I'm more impressed with her boxing. I am. I'm more impressed with her boxing. Boom, boom. Everything is straight. There's old expressions that you'll hear when it comes to striking, but they're true. For example, uh, speed, uh, uh, power thrills, but speed kills. That's a Jamie Huey almost every single day. Coach Huey will say that in boxing practice. But it's true. Wow, wow, that speed, and she is straight down the middle, right? If you've got a long reach, and she does, but if you have a long reach and you don't know how to use it, which represents almost every fighter ever. You could give Anderson Silva. You could give John Jones. In MMA, you could give Dan Hooker. You would almost have to, after those three, go back to Thomas the Hitman Hearns to find somebody with a reach advantage, but they knew how to use their reach. It is extremely uncommon, but Aldana does, and it is straight. And when there's a one coming, there's a two coming right behind it. Everything, everything's in combination. And I say that because I'll be very curious, right? DraftKings says she, she's a three-to-one dog. That sounds right to me. That line sounds very appropriate to me, but I will share with you, we're going to know in the first round, first round if she has a chance. And if she can come out and use those ones and twos, it's a big deal, right? If she will just go out and mix it up. Very few will, particularly ones that think that they have a grappling advantage. They're going to go out and grapple. And like, that was the thing. You'll get people, you'll get a full analysis from some lazy guy that used to watch back in the 90s. That was true. If you had a better grappler than a striker, that was true. You could go out and take him down. That hasn't happened since 1999. It does not work that way. It could be a black belt versus a purple belt. It would not make a bit of difference. I'm just sharing with you with an MMA. How are you going to get a hold of him? How are you going to get him down? When you have people that are scared of Amanda, and for good reason, right? She hits awfully hard. But when you have people that are scared of Amanda and they won't get in the range, that's the problem. That was the benefit that, say, Anderson Silva. It was a real benefit that Anderson had. For so many years, as guys would stand in that range, they were so scared if they get touched, they were going to get knocked out, right? It was just one of these spots where when I look at Aldana, I appreciate the author. I really do. Three to one does sound right to me. I mean, in all fairness, I'm not telling you like this is a great line. This is a very standard line. I will just share with you upsets do have some things that are in common. And the athlete that gets upset 100% of the time, regardless of the competition, finds themselves in a contest that's harder than they thought it was going to be. And that's one of the benefits that oftentimes a late replacement gets. And it's, it's real simple math if you're Amanda. I'm using Amanda by example, right? Amanda's a very special athlete that, that perhaps some of these things don't pertain to. But hear me out anyway. If you're Amanda and you're prepared to beat the number one contender. You're prepared to beat the world champion or at least the former world champion. That's what you're prepared to do and you're confident that you're going to do it. Well, if they brought in number three, that's just a simple deduction. I was ready to beat number one. Of course I'll beat number three. I was getting ready to stop number one. Of course I'll dispose of number three, right? And it's not always a conscious thing. Sometimes it, it, it's your subconscious working or the way that your coaches or your training partners will, will act. 
It's your training partners thinking they're building your confidence. Oh, well, Donna, she's not very good. Like, that's a thing that training partners will do, and it doesn't help. It does never help somebody to downplay the opponent as, as much as to be straightforward and say, here's what the strength is, here's what the weakness is, here's the change, uh, change within the strategy. So it was interesting when Dana brought that up. It was very interesting that he brought up how hungry is Amanda. Because I've had to wonder that same thing, guys. I was in a conversation with Bamba over the weekend text exchange, and we were actually discussing Chris Cyborg. But I was telling Bamba how impressed I have been with Chris Cyborg's ability to stay so hungry and stay in the gym and stay so sharp after all the wonderful experiences and records and championships that she's had. Chris Cyborg strikes me as just as hungry, just as big of a fan, that little girl with a big dream, as she was 15 years ago. And I don't see signs of Amanda being any different. So I'm willing to concede to Dana's point. I thought it was interesting news. I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. I'm willing to concede that I do expect that Aldana is hungry. I would be surprised to learn that Amanda is taking her eye off the ball. I think that lost to Juliana, that surprise, that upset, that had the element, had the ingredient of a fight being harder than you thought it was going to be, I think it was a reminder. I don't think it was that long ago. I think it's helpful. I think it's something that she still got with her. DraftKings having it three to one. You want to know if that's a good line to me? It sounds right. And Benny, guys, to me, not only, not only is this a lock, this is the biggest lock that I've seen in 2023. And I, I realize we're pretty early here. But if you look at your calendar, you're, you're damn near halfway through, and we've been treated to an event between one championship coming to American soil, bare knuckle, having Connor and Perry face off. UFC every week, even if it's at the apex, Bellator every other week from somewhere in the world. I mean, in all fairness, halfway through a year, we've seen one hell of a lot of fights. And I'm telling you, in my opinion, this is the biggest lock of 2023. I haven't seen anything like it. There, there is not a reasonable way that Benny DeRouche is going to be defeated. Not, not anywhere within, within reason. Now, how do I get to that point? <laughs> how do I get, DraftKings got him dead even, guys. Benny Darush is the favorite, right? You you call him a, a plus 130. I'm, I'm just sharing with you, he's dead even. And when I look at the contest, first off, I like that it's three rounds. I like that because that's what it should be. I have no idea, and I do not want to see us going down this slippery slope where there's a fight that we want to see. It wasn't good enough to be the fight we wanted to see that night. It couldn't even get to the top of the bill, but there's a fight we want to see. So let's just add a couple of rounds to it. I just, I don't like it. It's weird to me. So I like to see that these guys are going for three fives. Now, in all fairness, I think that that greatly, not just a little bit, that greatly helps Oliveira. But what's your reward? And do you guys ever think about this for your own personal motivation? What do you get if you win? What is the point in beating Benny? Go ahead and answer it. You, you know what the answer is. The answer is that you then go on and fight Islam, or you get in a public debate with Gaethje 
to see if you get to go and fight Islam, right? I mean, but it's really important that you understand that. So, so ultimately, if everything goes well, if you win this one and you win public support and you find a way to maneuver just perfectly, you get to go and fight Islam. Do you in your heart believe Charles wants to fight Islam? Do you believe that? Now, I'm only as good as the information I'm given. But Charles Oliveira's coach, it was Lima, came out and he told us that Charles was offered the rematch with Islam and that he didn't do it. I, I'm only as good as that information, but... That is what I was given. And I have to, I, I feel I have to continually remind you guys that it's as though that article was so far under the radar, I don't hear anybody ever referencing that. I don't hear anybody calling them out. I mean, that is a massive line. Volkanovsky and Islam have a face-to-face, -face, organically and natural, and you go in the back, you're going to rewind all of that. You're going to take all of that back and you're going to put Charles in a rematch in Perth? What? That's tough for me to believe. It's really tough for me to believe. Putting Charles and Islam in Perth, I, that, it doesn't add up. I understood the bringing Volkanovsky in since it's Australia, so it, it was a tough story for me to believe. But that's the quote. That's what was said. And nobody's questioned it and nobody's challenged it and nobody's denied it on any side of this thing. So I am going to accept it as true. In fact, Coach Lima went even further. He said not only did they turn down the offer, he said they, they wanted to exhale. Whew, right? It had been quite a whirlwind. And that's fair. Charles had been through quite a bit. I mean, he loses his world championship to a scale. He wins the fight. Dominique, there was a lot of things that Charles went through. They wanted to exhale. I, it made sense. But... Now, to get the exact same thing that allegedly you could have already had, you got to go through Benny DeRouche, who is very clearly the number one contender. I, I, I forgot how many Benny's won. I know he's won seven in a row. There's a part of me that's saying it's eight in a row and we're going for nine. I have a hard time thinking anybody won eight straight and didn't get a title fight, but that might have happened. He might be the, the, uh, the one guy. And then you got to take a good look at that. Okay, do you want to fight Benny? Because where I'm sitting, no, not that bad. And when I come out and I'm making claims, Charles doesn't want to fight Islam. Guys, you, you got to understand, I, I, I've never spoke to the man. I'm giving you my sources and I'm sharing with you where I'm getting these opinions. I read the interview by his coach saying they were offered it and they declined. Now he's got to go the hard way, which is through a guy that's got to be on one of the longest winning streaks in the company, any weight class, okay, which, by the way, happens to be a fight that he turned down over here. This fight was supposed to happen over here. I want to say it was in March that this was supposed to happen. Charles is side delayed, and, they, and now here we are. I, I'm just not seeing it. So, so now you got to go and you got to fight a guy that you don't want to fight. It would appear from Chelsea. I don't know what was going on in March. I know they were supposed to fight and they didn't fight. You've now got to go fight a guy that you, you publicly said, I don't want to fight. And if you beat him, if you beat him, you get to go fight a guy who your coach publicly said you don't want to fight. And that's just the mental approach.
I mean, th this fight, right, the clock the clock is ticking down. I told you guys for three weeks, I I'm not sold this fight's going to happen. But we, we, we are ticking down, and, and it's getting closer. So now you run into, okay, well, can, can you beat the scale? Are you right? I mean, we, there's a number of things going into the match, and I haven't even gotten into the X's and O's. I haven't even gotten into the fact that, that Benny is a better wrestler, he's a better jiu-jitsu player, he's better conditioned, and he's a much better striker. I haven't even touched on any of those things. And DraftKings basically got him at, at even money, right? It's a plus 120 and a minus 120. And I, I think I might have told you a, a plus for Oliver earlier, and I meant a minus. I don't think you have to correct me, because in my for my lingo, that's even money. And in this, in this sport, that's as close as you're going to get. John Anik, who can speak gambling better than the guy that created the word odds, will agree with me that we, you got a, a negative 120 to plus 130. You know, you're talking about even money. And I would just ask you, where's he going to beat him? Right? Where's he going to beat him? And my evidence isn't foolproof. We should have had media leading into Volkanovsky's fight with Islam. We should have had media that was asking Charles's team, asking Dana, asking Islam. They should they should have jumped on Lima's statement that they were planning to cut Volkanovsky out. That's a hard one for me to believe, particularly since the city was already picked, was which was Perth. It was hard for me to believe. Lima has never. He has no Lima. This dude is straight. This is a great person. So is Charles, for that matter. So is Charles, for that matter. These are great guys. Good, upstanding human beings. But I make a fair point. I make a fair point to say, look, you could have fought Benny over here. As a matter of fact, you were supposed to fight him. As a matter of fact, you signed a contract to fight him. As a matter of fact, tickets sold and a venue was booked and advertisements were done for you to fight him and you didn't fight him. I, that's, I make a fair point. Even if I say it in a rude way, I make a fair point. And Lima told the world that they were offered the match with Islam and they did not want it. So now you're going to fight a guy that you didn't want to fight to earn the right to fight a guy that you don't want to fight. That is a colossally hard sell, which doesn't just bring me to telling you that this is the lock of 2023. I do tell you that. I hope our production team titles this the lock of 2023. Not only am I telling you that, I'm not promising you days before the card, I'm not promising you that this match happens. I love that Mark Zuckerberg is denying losing consciousness in his grappling match. I love everything about this. And I hope that you guys are seeing it. I am so strongly on Zuck's side for a number of reasons, but I, I am so strong on his side. But I have to contain myself. See, I have to get, because I'm not sure that the referee's done anything wrong. I'm not sure that anybody's done anything wrong, but I want them to have. I want to defend Zuckerford, and I want that, I want the referee. Because, guys, what is, I'm Catholic, okay? So if I've done something wrong, I can go in and I can tell a priest and then we can work out a, a forgiveness pattern together. But what I tell him is protected forever, forever. If they threatened to put him in jail, if he didn't reveal what I said, he'd go to jail. 
And I'm just sharing with you, there's not a lot of times in life you get that, right? You're well that your spouse, according to the Constitution, doesn't have to testify against you. You're uh, aware that your attorney, client privilege, and it would seem to me that there's a level of that between competitor and referee, but I don't have any, are you guys with me? Because that sure as heck isn't a rule. Right, like, like we have a pattern within this sport. Uh, what happens at the practice room stays at the practice room. Just by example, right? You guys have heard that, but boy, that is that is a coveted and upheld, very coveted and very upheld policy. And I can't think of a time that a person broke that. Not on purpose. I've had people have conversations and something comes up, but not on purpose. Do we have anything like that? Even not written down. Do we, do we handle something like that as far as a privilege between a referee and an athlete? It's an interesting one. I think it's private. I want it to be. But the referee and the Zucker, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Did I, did I start off on third base here and I, I need to back up? Zuckerford goes and enters a grappling competition, which is awesome. He doesn't tell anybody. He goes and enters it. We know that he's a fan. And we only recently learned that when he was the only guest at a UFC event, right? You guys remember this. Then you start hearing rumors that Facebook's going to, uh, UFC is going to go into the metaverse and they're going to do it with the UFC. These things start to happen. But then we find out that Zuckerford is taking private grappling lessons. Now, that was very interesting to me. I will want my, my own kids to learn self-defense and things like this. And I got into that myself just in case. But there is no just in case with Zuckerford. He's surrounded by the finest personal security on the face of the earth. I, I don't know respectfully, that I could say the Secret Service is better than what Zuckerford has. The Secret Service sure as hell isn't paid as well as Zuckerford. I mean, just by example, like when I tell you the best, I mean, I'm not... So there's never a time that he's going to need jujitsu. There's never a time that he's going to need self-defense. And so the fact that he goes in and learns it anyway because he's curious, I think is awesome. I, I think that's a fascinating thing. And I wish that he wasn't shy about it. He appears to not want to bring attention to himself. It appears to just be a pure curiosity by him. And the reason I say that, he didn't tell anyone he was going to this event. He didn't tell anybody that he was training and getting in shape and getting in condition. But when you see him at the event, right, pictures worth a thousand, pictures worth a thousand words, you start sizing him up. You go, son of a gun, he's, he's down about 12 pounds. He went and got himself in shape. He's serious about this. He's here to win. It's one of those interesting things. So he goes in, he has a competition, and the referee is saying that he snored, that he fell asleep, and that he snored. I want to unleash on that referee. But I don't think I have the right. I don't think I've got the right. And I came from the school of Dave Hagen. I mean, you have to understand that. What, what happened in a ring, Dave Hagen would take it on the chin. They would put him down, they would bury him, and he would let him do it. And it hurt, it stung like anybody else, but he, he just, he wouldn't fight back. He believed that this was a coveted thing, this is between them, if the fighter's going to come out of the ring and he has a story to tell, for marketing reasons or ego reasons, 
Dave Hagen would let him go do it. So it's a peculiar spot because now Meta has put out a statement that Zuckerberg did not fall asleep, and it's a big deal. Believe me, it is, it is a colossally big deal, particularly in your first competition. If it didn't go the way that you wanted, right, this is one-on-one, -on -one. this is mono-mono, this is as tough as it gets. This is, this is as personal as it gets. People tell you sports shouldn't be personal, well, goddammit, it is. And when you go out there in that situation, and it doesn't go the way that you want, that's bad enough. If somebody tries to add to that and say that you were all the way unconscious, I mean, first off, they did that to try to embarrass Zuckerford. I've got to tell you that, and that, that pisses me off right there because if Zuckerford hung in there and didn't tap, he wanted it so bad that he went to sleep. We've always in this sport given a credit to guys like that. We've made fun of guys that don't do that. We made fun of guys who have been put in chokes and tapped as opposed to going to sleep. So if he actually had the balls to do it on his first time out, he's handing bravado back. He's handing bravado back and saying, no, I wasn't that courageous or I wasn't that foolish or I wasn't that inexperienced. I knew where I was. I knew I was beat and I signaled to the referee. That is a very believable story. But before I can unleash on the referee, right? Snore doesn't necessarily mean asleep. It doesn't. It can mean different things. Like Dominic Cruz uses a vernacular that you won't always know. Do you hear people say in, in, in the sport of MMA, he'll get slept? Well, if he goes out and stands with him, if he runs to that right hand, he's going to get slept. Do Dominic Cruz brought that vernacular to our sport. I did a show. I had no idea what he was saying. What do you say? Why do you keep saying slap? Do you mean swept? Are you, he's gonna get revert. He's gonna get swept. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna get. He said sleep. Oh, he'll sleep him. Huh? I didn't know what he meant. And now, I mean, people use it all the time. It means you get knocked out. You're asleep, right? You you understand it. So I I don't know that the referee really meant. I don't know. I don't know that. And I also don't know that this is privileged information. The guy who I admire as a referee, if I was to get into refereeing, the guy that I'm going to emulate, Dave, hang on, I know what Dave would have done. So I just think you're not supposed to do that. I don't know that that's actually a rule. I want to know what you guys think. And in front of everything else, I do hope, because we just want to be fair, right? You want to tease him, go, go tease him. It's one-on-one, -on -one, that's what's so hard. That's what keeps so many people out of this, is that. They, they, don't, they can't deal with that. But remember this, in this sport from 1993 until today, if a guy is so tough, he'll let it break. He'll let it break before he taps. That is foolish. That is a ridiculous thing to do. But in our sport, that guy is praised. And if somebody gets put in a chokehold, whatever it is, I'm thinking about triangle chokes, my own flashbacks and that. And they tap and surrender as opposed to going cautious. Right? We, we've always had a way that we handle that. And now you have a guy who they're saying went to sleep. Which in our sport that he is now part of, he is now included with it. He was a fan. Now he's part of it. He's giving that back. He said, no, I, I didn't quite have that braveness. Or I didn't have that foolishness. Or I didn't have that inexperience. But it'd be one of those three. 
said I knew where I was and said he had me and said, said I gave the appropriate signal. So you got to pick one, right? You're going to be a jerk. You're going to be a fan. You're going to be a nice guy. You're going to be a jerk. I wouldn't turn on you, but I would make you pick one. And teasing the guy that went to sleep who hung in there so long and wanted it so bad that he went to the bitter end and had to be protected by the referee has always been something in this sport that we celebrate. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts like the one from Super Secret Juice who says, never lost a round. You're right. And thank you for the review. I hope you all come back for my 289 prediction show that's going to be on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.